Father, we agree in this room that you are a good, good Father. Father, now with just grateful hearts, we, we acknowledge to you that you are in the presence of us this morning. You are here with us to meet us right where we are. Father, that we're not alone in whatever we're facing today. And we just ask that you just comfort our hearts, slow our minds, and just be with us here this morning in a real fresh, powerful way. Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Start praying, the, the stage is full, and you end, and it's clear. It's amazing. Um, you know, it's with a kind of a mixed, I don't know what this is. It's interesting. Um, kind of a mixed set of emotions this morning. We say that he is with us in all things. Doesn't make sense sometimes what happens, but we trust in the things that we do not understand. This morning I woke up to a text message um, a missionary crew that I love and deeply respect uh, sent me a text, and as soon as I saw their name, um, I was relieved and a little bit taken aback. Yesterday they were in Ethiopia, and as you know, that's not a great place to be right now. If you watch the news, um, not a great place to be. So their security team and the embassy said, you have to get out ASAP. And so um, them and their security team um, were getting ready to board a flight early to avoid all other um, difficulties and violence. My text message started off with, bro, I'm thankful. Um, the flight that they were supposed to be on a few hours uh, later than they left, um, as soon as it took off, it nosedived, and all 159 passengers were killed. I tell you the emotions, right? I'm just sitting over there this morning as he was still texting me. The emotions just come over me going, I am so very grateful this morning that my friends were not on that plane. And that somehow God got them on an earlier flight and got them out of Ethiopia to Kenya where they are safe. But my heart hurts for the 159 that died. And how the heck do we reconcile that? Anybody else with me in that? So my heart is um, heavy. And... His last words before I stepped up, just thankful, my friend. Thankful that I do trust what I do not understand. And I just think, what a good, good father that we don't have to understand for it to be so. 
for there to be peace and comfort in the midst of that. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I'm going to be talking about managing trains, changes and transitions. Feels like I can preach just on this message alone um, for a couple hours, so buckle up. Um, I think this thing's on. Um, my name is Dr. Corey Sleep, and um, I'm the executive director of Christ First Counseling Center. We've been in partnership with you guys for five years now. I know that because my daughter just turned five this week, and she was um, being born the same time that we were scheduling, so it makes it nice. But uh, uh, thank you for your ongoing partnership and just what we're able to see happen in and through this ministry partnership is amazing. So thank you. Last time I was here, how many of you remember the Eight Bridge? I remember nothing else that you said, but the Eight Bridge YouTube videos we remember, right? Well, we were talking about safety and provision. I want to show you a picture, I think. Safety and provision. This is the 11-8 bridge. As your fearless leader sends me this picture late yesterday and said, thinking of you, praying for you, and this is Garen and his family standing right outside the 11-8 bridge, just to let me know he was not one of the fools that ran into the bridge. Um, if you weren't here, go back and listen to the message. I think it was pretty amazing. Um, but uh, so, yeah. I'm surprised his son could get underneath the bridge, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. But uh, anyway, so look forward to having them back with us. As we start here, um, I'd like for you to stand with me as I read a little bit of scripture this morning, if you would, please. We're in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. This is the walk to Emmaus. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had just happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written all across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was the prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. 
And this all happened three days ago. You may be seated. No, I'm not going to preach on Easter. Uh, Garen will be leading you guys through a month-long process to prepare our hearts and minds for what that ceremony um, and celebration is all about. It's interesting as going through this uh, preparation over the last several weeks, it reminded me of how little traditions and celebrations we here have. My family, uh, my wife is Greek, and so they have tons of different celebrations and festivals. Today, they're at a carnival of some sort and festival. There's always something marking something historically for them. The Jewish people back in these days would be spending the next 30 days preparing themselves through pretty ritualistic um, preparations in food and diet, who they hung out with. They would be preparing themselves for the Passover and everything that went along with it. In the next 30 days, Garen will be going through a similar thing with you just to prepare our hearts and minds for what he wants to do in each of us, not just in salvation, but what he wants to do through transformation in all of us. So as we embark today, a couple of thoughts God remains faithful in every season of change. He is with us truly in every transition that we go through. The emphasis today that we're going to be talking about is to remember that we are each individually called into life with Him. We are graced and empowered by Him to become Christ-like. The Holy Spirit initiates this whole thing And we get to participate. Amen? So everything you hear today, I want you to have that as your backdrop. But for a minute, I want to talk about the term spiritual journey. This is kind of the buzzword. We're all on a journey and people love to say those terms. That term is both incredibly helpful, but also somewhat misleading. The nature of the journey reveals itself to be more of an awakening than an accomplishment, more one of spiritual awareness than spiritual achievement. When we think of journeys, we think about we are traveling to here, and we need to get there. And once we get there, we will have arrived. What our destination is, is to be with God, to be with Him, and Him with us. Folks, I'm here to tell you this morning, you have arrived at that place. He is with you, and you are with Him. As our spiritual maturity continues to grow, we grow in our awareness of that reality. Amen? But our spiritual journey is a wonderful way to understand our spiritual life. First, We grow in our understanding of ourselves. As one author has said, 
that I love and deeply respect, the more that we get to know ourselves, the more that God reveals Himself to us. The more that we understand who God is, the more we understand who we are in Him. And it just keeps that cycle growing forward. Because we find who we are in our identity only from Him. Only from Him. As by grace we grow, we realize where we have been grown from. Where we have been grown from. It's important that as we prepare for Easter that we ourselves aren't looking at, hey, we want to get a bunch of folks in on Easter Sunday, the one of two days that they come to church, so that we can really provide an environment for them to be saved in and to be grown in. No, we ourselves, we need to know what is God going to do next in our hearts and minds? What is he preparing us for next? And we know where he has brought us from. I know that I was a young boy, young grade school, when all the cool kids in the neighborhood went to a revival service. And I tell you that it's incredible to remember that time. My father uh, doesn't go to church, except for a couple times a year, I think is a gift to my mother. And uh, my mom goes to church. And if it had not been for those neighborhood um, there were literally kids that babysat other kids in the neighborhood. If they had not invited me, I don't know how much longer I would have been away from a true saving knowledge of Christ. I am so very grateful that they reached out to invited me into a life with him. I'm so delighted by that. And I remember those days of trying to figure out what does this mean? I remember that. How many of you remember that day that you found that saving knowledge in him? I want to press in and just have you remember that. Part of the traditions of the next 30 days are to help us to remember what we have been saved from. To realize how far we have come in our identity and understanding in God and what he has attended for us all along. We are better, as we grow forward, we are better able to understand our own limitations and really our own need for extended grace from Him. Sometimes I think that I hear people talking and they say, man, I am so blessed I've been a believer for 30 years. I am so blessed and it's like they don't want to say anything that has ever happened to them is bad. It's like everything is grand. Everything is just fine. It's okay. In one sense, they're very accurate and very true. But how many of you know that pain, heartache, and sorrow, anxiety, depression, frustrations, angst, still happen 30 years after accepting Him? Still believe that? It's like I have many years of higher education and Sally Mae is going to own my house for many years to prove it. And it's like the more that I know, 
It's like the boundaries of my own ignorance just keep expanding. They just keep expanding. Because the more I know, the more that I realize that I don't know. I run into those bounds of questions that reveal my limited understanding. And as we mature as believers, the same thing happens. We understand in our growth and maturity how much more grace we require. Amen? Um, And I tell you, I'm grateful that who I was when I started this journey is not who I am today. And I'm even more grateful to think about who I am going to be at the end of the journey. And I pray that I'm not the same person then as I am now. I hope that you share that prayer with me. Not just that I'm different in hopefully 30 years, but hopefully that each of us are different by the end of our journey. The second point is really that there is many that have traveled before us. Many that have traveled before us. The Holy Spirit has left us a whole history of people paving the way for us to walk in. We should trust those people. Trust them. Study their lives. Follow their guidance as they point the way to Jesus. The Bible says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling because God is working in you. Growing our journey is a joint effort. He initiates, we participate. And through that, through that joint effort, the Holy Spirit does his part in us, each of us. He convicts us of our sin. He builds God's ways into us. He confronts us in our sinfulness, the ways that keep us separated from him. comforts, but he also stands for us. Our part is to learn to listen to his voice. Learn to listen to his voice and obey what we hear. Soon we come to realize we are abiding in Jesus and following his ways. We become truly who we are in Christ, which is children of God. That is revealed to us over time. Now, there's enough meat just in those two points that we could spend the next month going through. And there is so much in the meat of Luke 24 that you may think, gosh, who is this dude? This is not the main point of the scripture. Doesn't the preacher know that you're supposed to talk about the main points of each text and zero in on it? Well, I'll let somebody much more skilled than I attack and and really grapple with those deep issues. But today, we're going to be talking about how this particular scripture really, and it's a very minor point of this, but I think a very powerful point that maybe um, hopefully we can embrace in a different way today. I want to look at how this scripture and this story of how these men walking away from Christ's crucifixion 
had in them this great uh, sorrow. Their hopes were really in flux. See, they had thought that he was the Messiah. I don't know how much you know about that particular time, but there was many who came forward saying that they were the Messiah. Many. And then they would be captured and killed. And when they didn't raise in the third day, they would be shown out as being fake. So even these trusted group of believers were walking away from the crucifixion going, we had hoped. Did you hear that? We had hoped, the scripture says. We had hoped that he was the one. But today is the third day. Today is the third day. See, they didn't see who he was, but they were questioning what they had put their hope in. They had questioned. They were questioning. When he told them all of the stories, starting in Moses going forward, sharing really the historical context that they should have been well aware of, he reminded them of where they had come from and what historically had taken place and what had been promised to them. It was interesting that as they arrived at their village seven miles away, Christ was going to go beyond. And in going on, he would have just continued his work. But they begged him to stay. They begged him to stay. How many of you have that kind of encounter with somebody who just, you want to soak up everything they want to say? And this morning, not, uh, maybe not the best example, but uh, this is the B team this morning, so... But when you're around somebody, you just want to soak up everything they have to share with you. I hope that you have those folks in your life that are speaking life into you, reminding you of great things, and helping you grow forward. And it wasn't until Christ took the bread and broke it did they realize who it was did their eyes fully open and they fully knew who he was. And then the dude disappeared, right? Like, breaks bread. God, he told us some great stories. Now where is he? Has he left us again? Despair could come about, but not for them. Their whole point of inviting him in was because it was nighttime, it wasn't safe to travel. But within an hour, the, the history shows that they got back on the road and traveled the seven mi- miles back to Jerusalem to share what their experience had just been. They were so excited with the encounter that they just had with Christ. It's interesting, you know, when you talk about what we share the most, this last year, I've been on a journey. I don't get on Facebook except for very, very rarely to say happy birthday to people, but I don't get on Facebook very often. My niece is sitting with me at a birthday party for my daughter yesterday, and she's Snapchatting about every, I don't know, six seconds, and, you know, just randomly taking pictures. 
I gotta admit, I don't know squat about Snapchatting. I just know there's a little blinking light occasionally, a flash from the, from the camera. If you Snapchat, great, but I'm not knowing what this is all about, okay? You take a picture of yourself and then you send a message to them. Take a picture of yourself, send a message to them. I don't get that, right? At birthday party, eating great cake. I, I'm not sure why we need to share that, right? Like everything is being shared. Some healthy, some not so healthy, but everything is being shared. But when was the last time we had an amazing encounter with Christ, revealing himself to us in a powerful way where we wanted to get on the equivalent of Snapchat and share that with anybody who would listen to us? I don't know. That's hard, like keeping this microphone positioned. But I don't know why it's so hard. Man, I tell you, when I briefly get on, I see a lot of things. Some of y'all are into like essential oils and other kind of selling things. And man, you'll talk about every benefit that those oils have, right? And why people should buy from you. I like essential oils. I'm great with that. But the fervency that that's being shared is pretty phenomenal. But the depth of Christ intervening and encountering our lives is not as fervently being shared. Saddens. Saddens me. Um, But these men, after they had in this encounter, they wanted to share it. They got back, I bet, in a record time to Jerusalem to let the others know that what had happened was truly from the Messiah. This truth had just happened. There was no reason to doubt or to fear that he was with them. So he, uh, one of the the two guys who were just plain Jane dudes like me, right, and like you, that just had a powerful encounter and they were going to share. And they shared all of these things and the people were a little bit skeptical. And then Christ himself showed up. Christ himself showed up, shared with them, reminded them of who he was, and really talked and shared himself with them and said, you are now the witnesses. Go and share. And then he departed from them as they worshiped him. So as we talk about kind of a model this morning, I... I'm big on visuals because I need something to help keep my brain straight and keep things organized in my head sometimes. There's Luke 24, I guess, sorry. Um, This quote, I think, is pretty important for us. That it says, change is something that happens to us. Transition, on the other hand, is internal. It's what happens to people's minds as they go through change. Change can happen very quickly, but transition is much, much slower. And each and every one of us go through that at our own pace. And as, you know, we look at this, obviously William Bridges talks about this as far as business models, and I greatly respect his work. And some of the things from his model I've incorporated into mine, but I think there is a lot of power in his words when we look at it through a spiritual sense. 
these men went through change and transition both as they were following the events after his crucifixion. And we still do today. Today we're going to be working through this process as he goes through. And I want you just to think about your many different roles, the roles that you have as a leader in your home, a leader in your organization, your ministry, the role you play in your family, the role you play individually, and the transitions that happen in each one of those. Because each one of us have change that happens to us. As my missionary friends, you know, get a call from the U.S. Embassy saying, get out now, right? That is not something that they wanted. They wanted to go and work on planning a trash dump in a people group that needed the hope of Jesus, right? That was what they wanted. Change happened to them. Transition worked through them and internally. So just think about it through those contexts. Um, And I want just to say that, I mean, it is interesting. I think I have now 37,000 hours of doing therapy. And, you know, I'm still in the growth process. Thank you for your concern. But 37,000 hours I've, you know, facilitated therapy. 37,000. That's a few hours in a chair, by the way. And I have never had someone sit across from me and tell me, that they're smarter than God. Not once have I had anybody ever tell me that they were smarter than God. Has anybody ever told you that they were smarter than God? Chances are probably no. Not that blatantly. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, many of us, even in this room this morning, believe and have behaviors and act like we're at the throne of our own hearts. We want to be in control. We want to be in control. We want to have an understanding of what's going to happen next. And it means, if it means that we have to take Christ off the cross and everything that that meant and put us up there, sometimes we will do that so that we know that we're still in control. And if that's you this morning, there's hope. Because I think all of us understand what that is like and that temptation to take over. For our brains want security and certainty. does. I won't go into all the neural pathways, but our brains like to be calm. Right? Even you adventure folks, that like adrenaline, you still want calm and peace in your brain. You still want to have control. And when we go through this, we're planning ahead. And sometimes our plans are not that of the Father's. And we try to understand how we can get Him to agree with us with what we want to accomplish for us. You agree with that? Think about that. So there's a few stages that we look through here. Um, and the first, first phase is really, maybe, this stage one. I'm not sure if this has a laser pointer or not. Anyway, that first stage one ending, losing and letting go. Um, you see these arrows that are 
continually growing forward. This is not a static process ever. Who you are this morning is not who you're going to be tomorrow. Who you are tomorrow is not who you're going to be next week. You are continually being transformed and renewed through interactions with people and hopefully with the Father. Constantly being renewed. But that baseline there is really our homeostatic state. That state of being at balance, whatever we consider to be normal, is really the baseline. And we want to be at a normal as long as we can and as much as we can. But when we're losing, we get further and further away from what we consider as being normal. What we consider that we're comfortable with. That first stage... I'm not sure if it has the... The first stage, losing and letting go, is marked by a few common experiences. The experience of fear, denial, sadness, disorientation, uncertainty, and a sense of loss. But in order to transition, we have to effectively know what we're losing and letting go of. Corporately, you guys have gone through that, right? When you have a pastor that has served so well that John Sapp leaving just recently. Before that, Pastor Al, right? Each of you have gone through as a part of a corporate process of losing what was normal for you. Each of you played your own role in that and responded in your own way. This new phase when you're letting go We have to be able to let go of one set of circumstances that we considered normal and comfortable in order to grow into a new. Andy Stanley had said, sometimes we have to let go of something that was really good for what God has planned for us in the greatness of tomorrow. When we think about what God has for us tomorrow, we have to keep in mind that we don't pour new wine into old wineskins. Hear me, we don't pour new wine into old wineskins. There's a fresh work, but in order for a fresh work to be done in a powerful way, we have to go through a process of acknowledging this is what we're losing. Some of you may have gone through relationship loss, people moving away, people that are transitioning out of your lives. I think one of the most, you know, understated, maybe understudied thing is when teens lose relationships, right? It's like the end of the world, right? I know it was for me, (laughs) just admitting that, going, man, we think, I don't know if I'm ever going to find somebody else that'll love me. Maybe I'm the only one in this room that's ever thought those thoughts, but I doubt it. But we have significant loss in teenagers we, on the other side of it, can look back and go, it's going to be okay. You're going to survive this, right? But in the midst of that storm, how many of you really want to hear that and or are comforted by that? That's not very comforting, right? Hey, you're going to get through this, suck it up, buttercup, and move forward, right? That's not comforting, 
as believers, we have to extend grace that we ourselves have been giving, comforting others with the comfort we ourselves have been given, to be able to understand that there is loss and to be able to talk about that loss. Um, Because that new normal, although it won't be forever because we're constantly growing forward, we have to know that we're losing something. Just like the two men walking, they acknowledged their sadness. They acknowledged that we had hoped. We had hoped to be able to see that. And one of the things that, you know, I try to do is just to picture myself in the middle of that story, watching it take place, watching these two men walk with their heads down, just intently discussing their sorrow, right? They were losing and they were grappling with one another about what was going to happen next and what had just happened. We have to acknowledge that. That stage can last, gosh, two minutes to years of losing and letting go. Depends on your own makeup, your own temperaments, but also really the significance of the loss to you and how you see that loss. But just because it may take you longer doesn't depreciate your value at all. Just make sure you stay in the journey. Stage two, we've only got a couple more hours here. So stage two is a neutral zone. This is a fascinating stage where people experience great um, loss, but in this they have great anxiety, fear, confusion, disorientation. Even those people closest to God experience this. Even the people closest to God, whether it's in this story or right after the disciples had seen the feeding of 5,000, when they're like, dude, why did I just take this kid's lunch and bring it to you? Are you really going to be able to do something with this? I mean, they've seen all these miracles, yet in the middle of that, losing control of going, there's no way that I see another newness coming. I don't see any blessing coming from this. In the middle of the sentence, he loses faith, right, for what is going to happen next. So if the people closest to God and who's seen most with him and his son encounter personally, If they experience disorientation and anxiety, we ourselves also likely do the same. And the good news is, is that he is there right in the midst of that to meet you in your anxieties and fears, to show you who he is. To show you who he is. When Christ intervened with those guys on the walk, he literally was saying, hey, I want to go back here. Let me tell you the story of Moses. And he went all the way through to say, I'm going to break this bread and bring you to the present. This is who I am. In another scripture in John, he says, it is me. Reveals himself. And when God reveals himself, it brings comfort. It brings comfort to hear It is me. I wish that it was just a smooth ride from there, but as you guys could see, as we go back up that side, we come out of the neutral zone, we have to climb a hill intentionally to get into the new. Have you ever heard anybody say, gosh, I'm uber successful, I've got a great job, 
and made millions of dollars in real estate, investing. I tell you, I have achieved this high status, and gosh, I just don't know how it happened. Have you ever experienced that? Has anybody ever told you, I am this successful, and I have no idea how it happened? It just happened by accident. I was walking home one day and tripped into all of this success. No, it doesn't happen that way. Everything worth achieving takes hard work. Everything worth achieving takes hard work. And that applies in our spiritual lives as well. If we want to have a fresh encounter with Him, we have to do our part. He's initiating. We have to participate. And in that process, we have to be able to ask Him, God, this really stinks. I really thought over here was going to be best. The old was where I was comfortable. What are you doing? God, please share with me what your plans are. What do you have for me next? Help me to see in me what you need me to do to grow, to increase me, my skills in you in order to achieve what you have planned for me so that I can more fully realize and live out how you created me to be. And in that process, we learn what those growth steps are. Because he will tell us, sometimes not in our timing, but he will tell us, hey, maybe this means, God, that you want me to go back to school because there is something that you want me to do that requires that. Maybe it's a move to a different location because you are calling me to the mission field. Maybe it is, Father, that you need to equip me to love people well because I'm going to be volunteering and loving people in your church and your community well. Help me to see what you have next for me and how I can join you in the midst of that. Amen? Just as he reaches out and extends life to non-believers, he is meeting us right where we are. Right where we are, all of our struggles, all of our concerns, just the worries, the discombobulation that all of us go through, he is revealing himself and wants to do that fresh today in you. And in stage three, This is the new beginnings. This is the final stage, um, really the acceptance of what that new is. A lot of work has been done in that neutral zone to prepare you for what is new, for what that time is ahead, to enter into that promised land that he has spoken about. People have worked, they have been developed, they have been grown, and now the new necessary skills are going to be put to work. And in that process, we learn to effectively live in and work out of our new normal. These are the experiences that people will likely go through. People will experience higher levels of energy, a greater openness to learn, a renewed commitment to those around them, and to the role that they are being called into in their families, to their organizations and their church. These men, when 
when Christ revealed who he was to them, they got back on the road and went back to Jerusalem to share the news. And at the end of chapter 24, when they were told, you are now the witnesses, what did they do? Did they just party for a couple days? Hang out? Right? No. They waited in anticipation because Christ had said, I am going to bring, you know, send to you the promises that God has. The Holy Spirit is going to come into you. Wait for that, but you are going to be witnesses. They were living out of that new normal. Everything had just come to fruition in their minds and going, now what does that mean for us growing forward? Wow. Just as those men were witnesses, full witnesses of the risen Savior, in a powerful way they encountered Him, they had a renewed commitment to that which they had already bought into and sacrificed greatly to follow. This wasn't their first day of following Him, but they had a renewed commitment to that journey. They had a renewed commitment to that. Today, I want to give just a couple of pointers that have been helpful for me as I have struggled to grow and learn through the years. I tell you that in order to approach change and transitions, we can't wait until we are forced into the neutral zone and we're full of anxiety to then go, all right, Christ, where are you? Right? I'm about to bounce. I need you to show up big. Right? We can't wait for that moment. We have to be able to say, God, I know you bring all things. I know that you have a plan and in your plan today, whatever that is, I want to learn to be more obedient today than I could have been yesterday. Whatever comes today, I believe that you will be present with me. I believe, Father, that as I go through change and change happens to me, I am going to have anxiety, I'm going to have fears and I may go through some disorientation. But the lens by which I am going to see it is that you are with me. And I am with you. And on the other side of that is great hope. I know that you're not going to be overwhelmed by my fears and my anxieties. And I trust in you. Thank you for your grace. To be able to come at it with that mindset really helps us to put a lens on ahead of time before the change happens so that that internal transition process that has to take place finds fertile soil to grow in rather than a hardened heart, a hardened path that says, no, 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 this isn't my plan. No, 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 what, what do you think you're doing? We agreed this. I took this job, I met with this person, I did this, I've done all of these things and you are going to bless it. And now you're kind of messing up my plans. 
right? That's not going to be helpful in the midst of it, right? But I bet if we're honest, each of us have been there in that place. And today we get an opportunity to say, is my lens by which I see change that of only impending doom, something that is negatively happening to me that I don't want? Or do I look upon it as, this is the new wineskin. Whatever comes next, God is going to use mightily. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. That's huge. Put yourself in a position to hear him. Put yourself in a position to hear from him in that way. Through each step of the way. And the day that I believe that I have everything figured out, I hope that he comes and takes me away. Because the boundaries of my own ignorance continue to expand and the boundaries of my need for grace continue to expand. Those spiritual disciplines will help create that framework by which we see him working in and through us. That we voluntarily sacrifice ourselves in order that he may be glorified in us. That people don't see us, they see him. That we are more transformed into his likeness every day. Amen? That's not something that we trip into. That's not something that happens on accident. Will you be committed today and over this next 30 days to really evaluating where you have come from, where he has brought you from, and where you are with him today? So that as he prepares to do new things, you're ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks. Thanks for being here with us. And Father, just so grateful. So grateful for that knowledge of your grace. That you so so willingly pour out over us. Father, help us to feel your presence and your grace in a fresh and powerful way today. Help us to hear you as we may have many things cluttering our minds and hearts that keep us from really letting go, entering into that neutral zone of where you're trying to prepare us for the new, Father. Help us to remove any obstacles that are within us so that we can more fully glorify you today than we could have yesterday. Father, I just pray for these kids that are going to receive the lunches, the food for the kids. Father, I pray that um, hearts be open to giving and helping decrease that gap of those who have needs. Because of our brokenness, Father, help us to see the brokenness of others through your eyes. And Father, help us to find ways of helping meet those needs and the brokenness that we see around us. Father, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.